Actually, today, we are ready to get you signed up. Uh, we have, uh, where's Julie Bradford at? Where are you hiding? Right there. Go ahead, stand, Julie, because you're going to be back at the table. We've got 20. We have uh, 20. Yes, yeah. Give, give Julie a hand. Yeah, yeah. She's... <laughs> We, we currently sponsor over 100 students. Poorest nation in our hemisphere is Haiti. They don't provide public education, so if you want to send your child to get an education, you have to pay for it. Send them to a private school. We currently sponsor over 100 children, and now we have 20 more who need sponsoring. Um, it uh, costs, let me see, $32 a month, that's $1.07 a day, Myron. What a deal. That gives you tuition, books, uniforms, hot lunch, shots, and most importantly, a Jesus-focused education. Uh, this, this is Denise and I's student. Uh, we, uh, he's in seventh grade now. <laughs> Can you believe that? He's a young man. Gene Garvins, he was in kindergarten. Now he's in seventh grade. He uh, lives with his grandparents, he likes to read, he likes to play soccer, and uh, I, I'm telling you, for a dollar seven a day, you can change a child's life. Why wouldn't you do that if you're able? Educationally, emotionally, socially, occupationally, and most important, um, they're likely to come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. Every day in school, they read, what's their text? They read from the Bible. They're singing to Jesus all day long. I'm telling you, you'll change a child's life. So please go see Julie after this service. Uh, if you have questions, you can certainly ask that. But uh, we're ready to get you signed up. Um, we, we talked Mother's Day. Should we, should we wait? Should we do this a different Sunday? And here was our conclusion. Sponsoring a child... I can't think of anything that represents a mother's heart more than what we're doing with uh, Hope for Kids. So again, if you're not sponsoring, we've got 20 more that need sponsoring. Go back at the table and uh, see Julie. Mother's Day 2020. Happy Mother's Day, y'all. And those watching online, we're glad you're here. Uh, this morning, we're going to examine the life of a woman I'm guessing most of us here, we've never even heard of this woman. Uh, this is really kind of an obscure woman, but she's brave and bold and courageous. She's willing to put her life on the line, and the Lord uses her boldness, her courage, and her wisdom to save her city. Literally saves her city. Wise Lessons, Mother's Day 2022, to learn from this wise woman from the town of Abel. So locate with me in your Bibles uh, or on your phone app, 2 Samuel, the book of 2 Samuel, that's to the left of Psalms, Job, Chronicles, left of Kings, 2 Samuel chapter 20. And as you find that, let me give you a 60-second setting of the scene, okay? So we're going to jump into 2 Samuel, but you need to know what's going on here. King David is an old man, okay? He's coming to the end of his reign as king. In his early days, David was running from Saul, 
And then later, he was running from his son Absalom, who wanted to overtake and kill his father and assume his spot. Okay? Uh, David's top general, his name is Joab. And in dealing with the Absalom problem, he took the matter in his own hands, and Joab killed David's son, Absalom, the one who was chasing him around. So David is in deep mourning. Uh, he's not doing well. Uh, very fragile, vulnerable time for both David and the nation of Israel. So there is a traitor in the midst, an insurrectionist, you might call him, okay? And his name is Sheba. Uh, Sheba was from the tribe of Saul, and it seems like Sheba wanted to go back to having a king from Saul's line. He sees an opportunity to overthrow King David. It says that, 2 Samuel 20, verses 1 and 2. So David's top general, Joab, has just killed uh, David's son, Absalom. And now, as they're headed to catch Sheba, he kills another of David's general. This guy is ruthless. Uh, he kills Amasa uh, with a sneaky knife attack. And now with blood-stained hands, uh, Joab now leads his troops to hunt down this rebel Sheba, okay? He's hiding out in the town of Abel. And now General Joab is intent on killing Sheba before he rallies the crowds and overthrows his king David. So 2 Samuel 20 verse 14 begins with Joab and David's army bearing down on Sheba. They're going to hunt the troublemaking traitor Sheba in the city of Abel. And if you're able now, did you get that? Would you stand with me? And we're going to read out loud. Notice the appearance of the wise woman. Okay? You can't miss her. The wise woman of Abel. We'll start with verse 14. We'll read down to verse 22. Would you read with me? Here we go. Meanwhile, Sheba traveled through all the tribes of Israel and eventually came to the town Abel Beth Maka. Okay. All the members of his own clan, the Bicharites, assembled for battle and followed him into the town. When Joab's forces arrived, they attacked Abel Beth Maka. They built a siege ramp against the town's fortifications and began battering down the wall. But a wise woman in the town called out to Joab, Listen to me, Joab. Come over here so I can talk to you. And he approached the woman asked, Are you Joab? I am, he replied. So she said, Listen carefully to your servant. I'm listening, he said. Then she continued, there used to be a saying, if you want to settle an argument, ask advice at the town of Abel. I am one who is peace-loving and faithful in Israel, but you are destroying an important town in Israel. Why do you want to devour what belongs to the Lord? And Joab replied, believe me, I don't want to devour or destroy your town. That's not my purpose. All I want is a man named Sheba, son of Bichri, from the hill country of Ephraim, who has revolted against King David. If you hand over this one man to me, I will leave the town in peace. All right, the woman replied, 
will throw his head over the wall to you. Then the woman went to all the people with her wise advice, and they cut off Sheba's head and threw it out to Joab. So he blew the ram's horn and called his troops back from the attack. They all returned to their homes, and Joab returned to the king at Jerusalem. Happy Mother's Day. Let's pray. <laughs> Lord, we realize that uh, this bloody event uh, took place a long time ago in a culture that's much different than ours in 2022. We also know, Lord, that all Scripture is God-breathed, is profitable for teaching and training and instruction and correction. And Lord, I believe there's a Several good lessons for us to learn today from your perfect, inspired word. So would you come today? We invite your spirit, Lord, the third person of the Trinity, to come today in your church. And on this day when we're recognizing and honoring mothers, help us, Lord, to go beyond just learning more stuff. Lord, help us to find stuff we can put to practice and use in our daily lives. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one unified voice, you can be seated. 2 Samuel 2.15, battering ram, you got to picture this, is banging on the town of Abel's gate, smashing the city gate. Uh, they're ready to bulldoze and come on into the city of Abel. Why? Joab, the general of King David, is going to storm in, destroy the city. Why? Because you've dared to give sanctuary to the traitor Sheba. What are you doing? Now you're going to pay the price. Sheba was the Vladimir Putin of, of that day, okay? Uh, while they waited and watched, uh, Joab's troops inch closer and closer to breaking through which would mean they would come in, they would burn the city, they would loot the city, they would slaughter and destroy the city of Abel, okay? So here's my question. What do you think most of the women of the city are doing while they're watching this happen? Because it's just a matter of time. Just in hours, they're going to come busting through. And I think some of them were saying, oh no, we're going to die. And others were saying, I told you, Harry, we should have moved to Shechem. I told you we shouldn't stay in this city. I told you we should get out of here. And others were just saying, woe is me, my life is a mess, I'm about to die. Lots of hysterical crying, lots of groaning, lots of fretting, lots of stewing, lots of finger pointing. It's your fault. No, it's yours. You, you let Sheba in. No, no, it was your cousin who let Sheba in. And now, look, look what you've done. It's going to be bad, okay? This unnamed woman could have joined the whiners. She could have joined the whiners club, wrung her hands, worried, cried, gone hysterical like the rest of the residents of Abel. Because I don't think it was just women. I think the men were doing the same thing. And the result would have been what? Most if not all of the residents of her beloved city would have died. 
And the practice in this day was they would come charging in, they would kill all of the men, they would uh, take away all of the plunder, and they would take the women and children, drag them off as their own. That was the general practice. Why? You've been hiding the terrorist named Sheba in your city, and there's a price that will be paid. So, instead of doing nothing, what does this wise woman do? Look at verse 16, 2 Samuel 20. Uh, here, here's what this wise woman does. But a wise woman in the town called out to Joab, Listen to me, Joab, come over here so I can talk to you. I love it. She just takes charge of the situation. She's going to act. She's going to be bold and decisive, and with courage and wisdom, she acts. Okay? She uh, recognizes what she thinks is the leader of the troops. Uh, she, she calls out to who she thinks is the general named Joab, the commander of David's army. And notice verse 17, she knows she needs to act, but she do, does, does so with tact and truth. As he approached the woman, she asked, are, are you Joab? And he says, I am, I am. Now verse 16 calls her wise, the wise woman of Abel. So here's my question, where does wisdom come from? Where do you get wisdom from? And if you go to James chapter 1, some of you are saying you're exactly right. Uh, verse 5, wisdom is a gift from God that comes when we ask for it. If we'll ask for wisdom, he's willing to give it to us. And wisdom further is found in his book. It's the Bible, God's inspired word. Psalm 119, the longest chapter in all of God's word, talks again and again about the wonderful wisdom that comes from God's Word. Riches found in God's Word. Now, what's interesting is this wise woman was a student of God's Word. I want to show you in just a minute. This woman is wise because she knew exactly where to go and what to say when her city was about to be destroyed. We know that because she goes... Um, to Joab, and here's what she says, verse 18, there used to be a saying, if you want to settle an argument, ask advice at the town of Abel, verse 19, I am one, the woman, who's peace-loving and faithful in Israel, and here's the question, why do you want to devour what belongs to the Lord? This is the Lord's city, this is a city in God's chosen people's land, why are you wanting to destroy this city? Now, what's interesting, Joab, bloodthirstily, ruthless, is stopped cold in his tracks. <laughs> he stops, and, and really, he's there for a mission. I'm going to kill Sheba. I'm going to destroy this city. And now he begins a dialogue with this wise woman. And I'm convinced that all she, although she might have been afraid of Joab, I suspect she was shaking as she starts talking to this general who had a reputation. I believe that she was more afraid of the Lord her God than she was of Joab. 
That was the secret. I, I, I don't like talking to him, but I'm more afraid not to. And she tells Joab, hey, this is a great city. This city is known for giving wise advice. Okay? So here's my question. Why are you about to destroy this great city? Hey, Joab, why are you about to eat? She uses the word devour this city that belongs to God. Okay? She's making an appeal. Track with me now. Give me your eyes. Based on God's word. She's making an appeal based on her knowledge of God's book. And that's what makes her wise. She's, re, she's appealing to Joab based on Deuteronomy chapter 20, meaning this lady knows her Bible. This lady is taking God's word and applying it at exactly the right time. So, so she knows God's word, she knows what God's word says, and now she applies it. Deuteronomy chapter 20 and verse 10 is what she's referring to says this, as you approach a town to attack it, you must first offer its people terms for peace. Okay? So if you're about to attack a city, you can't just destroy it until you give them terms of peace. Okay? So this woman is putting into practice exactly what God's Word says should happen here. You, you, hey, Joab, you're about to destroy us, but you haven't yet given us terms of peace. Deuteronomy 20 and verse 10. So, Joab, I'm here and I'm asking, what are your terms of peace? What needs to happen to keep you from destroying this wonderful town that I'm a part of? And now, Joab... Uh, responds with his terms of peace. Go back to the section, verse 20. And Joab replied, Believe me, I don't want to devour or destroy your town. That's not my purpose. All I want is a man named Sheba, son of Bichri, from the hill country of Ephraim. He's revolted against King David. If you hand over this one man to me, I'll leave your town in peace. Okay? This bold and courageous woman literally puts General Joab on the defense. He's kind of backing up. He's saying, oh yeah, you're right. I, I know Deuteronomy 20, and I haven't done it according to the book. So now he gives her terms of peace, just like Deuteronomy 20 and verse 10 demands. Okay? So now she knows the terms of peace, and that's when this crisis really comes to a head, okay? She's gone out, she's confronted the commander, Joab, and now she's heard the terms of peace, hand over Sheba, and we'll spare the city. But now, what if I go and try to get Sheba and turn him over. But what if he's got friends in this city and they attack me? What if his friends attack my family? What, what if Sheba turns and they turn on me and now I'm going to be what they're all angry at? What if the leaders of the city won't believe me when I go to them? Lots of things could go sideways here. Lots of things could go really bad here, 
And, and right now, I'm sure she's full of doubts. I'm sure she's fearful. She's shaking. But here's what you need to hear. Are you ready? Courage doesn't mean you're not afraid. Courage means you do it afraid. See the difference? Sometimes we think, well, I'm afraid I can't do it. No, that's not what courage is. Courage is the boldness and the faith to step out and act even when I'm afraid, even when I'm fearful. And that's exactly what she does. Uh, verse 21, uh, all right, the woman replied, uh, we'll throw his head down over the wall to you. Verse 22, then the woman went to all the people with her wise advice. They listened, and they cut off Sheba's head, and they throw it down to Joab, okay? So just picture this, Ron. They drop Sheba's head like a basketball off the top of the wall, and I'm not sure who caught it, uh, but now there's proof uh, Sheba's no longer a threat. Um, verse 22, so Joab blew the ram's horn, called his troops back from the attack, they all returned to their homes. Joab returned to the king of Jerusalem, David. Now, pause for a moment with me, please. Let's step back from this wild and crazy, bloody event found in God's book. But I just want to point out some obvious things. This woman could have done nothing. This woman could have done the comfortable thing, um, and she would have been another innocent victim along with her family and friends and her entire beloved city would have been destroyed simply by doing nothing. But she was a woman of God's word. I love that. She knew the Bible. She knew the Bible enough that when she saw the situation, I suspect she cried out, Lord, help, help. And she acted, and the Lord showed her Deuteronomy 20 in verse 10, and then she actually put it into practice, even though she likely was very afraid and fearful. She, she lived out what God's Word has to say. And the Lord used her wisdom and resourcefulness and knowledge of God's Word to save an entire city from catastrophe. This city... I promise you, was about to be burned and looted and destroyed. And the Lord used this woman's wisdom to save the city. So here's my question. What would you have done in this crisis? What would you have done? If you were in the city of Abel at this time, would you have been one of those crying and hysterical and pointing fingers? It's your fault, Harry. Would you have been sharpening your sword and your arrows? Well, I'm going to go down fighting. <laughs> or would you have known God's word enough to find the terms of peace, Deuteronomy 20, and then would you have had the faith and the courage to actually put those terms of peace into practice? That's what this woman does. It's, it's really pretty amazing. So, for some of us here today, give me your eyes, the challenge is you need to become a student of wisdom. You need to become a student of God's Word. Psalm 119, I'll, I'll refer to it again, says this book is a treasure. It, it's got treasure. It, it's 
wonderful. It's better than gold, silver, or diamonds. Gold, silver, diamonds. Okay? I wanted to tell you something. We had a geographical uh, uh, study done out back. A bunch of engineers were out back, and I don't know if you know this, but there's billions worth of gold and silver and diamonds out back uh, in the woods back here. Did you know that? And, and I, I, you know, if you want, you know, since it's church and you're a part of us, you can, you can go back and you can start digging if you want. And, and I know for a fact, if you really believed me, some of you wouldn't even go home to change. Billions, okay? We're talking Bezos billions, okay? Some of you'd stay all day long. Some of you, you'd be, it's getting dark, you'd send home for lanterns and flashlights. We're going to dig all night for treasure. <laughs> I'm, I'm here to tell you, listen closely, this book is more valuable than anything that uh, Elon Musk or Warren Buffett or you just name your faith. This book is filled with treasure better, better than any gold, silver, or diamonds you'll ever find. Okay? Because the truth and principles found here, if mined out properly and lived out, can save your marriage from collapse. This book can enable you to raise children who will love Jesus and have not just children, but grandchildren and great-grandchildren who will grow up to love Jesus. This book can give you victory over addictions and besetting sins. This book will enable you to have character that will shine bright for Jesus in a lost and a dying world. This is... The way, the truth, the life found in this book will make a difference in your family and your children's family and your children's children's family and your children's 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 family. And it actually says it goes on like that for a thousand generations. Exodus 20 and verse 4. So, wow. Become a student of the book. <laughs> Take the time. Make the effort. It's way more important than digging for gold and silver and diamonds out back. By the way, I, I don't think there are any of those three back there, just in case. Nope, just kidding. Others of you, you know a lot about God's Word. Some of you here today have been in church all your life, uh, literally you've got knowledge of God's Word dripping off your hard drive. You know the book. You know it. You really do. But knowledge without action, here's what James 2 verse 14 tells us. Knowledge without action is worthless. If, you're not, if you know a lot but you don't do anything with it, it's, it's worth nothing. God's Word gets valuable and priceless when you put it into practice. God's Word gets exciting when you not only know it, but like this woman, you start living it out. You, you put it into practice. You live it out. I suspect, ready? Catch this. There were other women in the city of Abel who knew God's Word. I suspect there were other women in the city of Abel 
who knew about Deuteronomy 20 and verse 10, they just weren't willing to act on it. They knew it, but they weren't willing to take the terms of peace and their city would have been wiped out if it was left up to them. So here's my question. Mother's Day, grandmas, moms, aunts, sisters, okay? Come your eyes. Who are the people the Lord has placed around you who are in trouble today? Who are the people the Lord has put in your tribe, so to speak, they're in a dangerous situation. Who around you, mothers, grandmas, sisters, aunts, needs you to step up and with wisdom put into practice God's word? Who might be a casualty if somebody, you, don't step up and act with wisdom and courage? Okay? Now, I get it. The easy thing to do, the convenient thing to do, the comfortable thing to do is what? Nothing. Ignore it and it might go away. Because, you know what? Nobody wants you meddling with their stuff. I'm busy, you're busy, you're scheduled, I'm hectic. Um, just, just leave them alone. Live and let live. It's like a neighbor's house burning in the middle of the night and you wake up and you look across the street and their house is on fire and you say you know what I think that fire will go out all on its own I'm just going to go back to bed uh, let them sleep I'm not going to bother them I, I'll, I'll just pray oh Lord help the fire to go out amen that's how some of us are living we see fires around us and I'm not going to get involved don't miss the secret of this woman's victory. Instead of crying and whining and moaning and blaming, she said, Lord, show me what to do. <laughs> and the Lord brought to her mind a section of God's word that she'd already studied. Okay, that's important. And with courage and boldness, she acted. She found out what she needed to do. What are the terms of peace? And then she went and she acted on the terms of peace. And the authorities listened to her. And the whole city lived because of her. Moms, grandmas, sisters, aunts, friends, men. You're not getting off the hook today. Who has the Lord placed in your life that needs you to be a wise messenger for the Lord? I suspect some of you have a situation around you, it's burning, and you're tempted to ignore it and hope the fire goes out all on its own. So here's your choice here today, okay? Choice A, you can be a turtle and pull into your shell and say, just leave me alone. I, I don't, I don't want to mess with it. It, sounds, it could be dangerous, it could be messy, I'm, I'm, I'm not going there. Or... Option B, step out in faith, ask the Lord for wisdom, Lord, show me what I can do, show me how your book applies, give me wisdom, and once he does that, are you willing to act? <laughs> are you willing to put wisdom, his book, into practice? Be a doer of God's word, not just a hearer. 
Okay, so the city of Abel is spared, wise woman. Well done. Joab and his army heads back to their homes, but what about the guy who lost his head? Sheba. Pastor Jeff, this is really kind of gruesome for Mother's Day, you know, dropping heads over the wall so their heads could be saved. What, what, what is this uh, stuff? Well, I want you to listen to what the high priest of Israel said to the Pharisees about Jesus when they were plotting to kill Jesus and crucify and put it on the cross. John 11, I think we have it up here. Here's what, here's what Caiaphas, who was the high priest at that time, said. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't realize it's better for you that one man should die for the people than for the whole nation to be destroyed. Sheba died so the entire city of Abel could live. Jesus died so that all the peoples of every nation and every tribe throughout history could live. And there's one more difference, key difference. Sheba was guilty of treason. Sheba was guilty of attempting to lead a coup to overthrow King David, and he died unwillingly. Hiding amongst innocence. Jesus, completely without sin, Hebrews 4.15, tempted in every way, without sin. Jesus was fully innocent, but willingly Jesus gave up his life as a ransom for you and for me. For my sin, yours. Fact is, are you ready? Everybody here has some Sheba in them. Everybody here, we all have, some of us have more, some of us have less. We all got some Sheba in us. We all, like sheep, have gone astray, for the wages of sin is death. Jesus willingly took our place on the cross, sinless, innocent, bearing the sin of me and of you. Okay? Jesus built the bridge to eternal life. Okay? So we have this span, and Jesus willingly laid his life down on that cross, shed his blood, uh, took our place in the grave. Jesus built the bridge to eternal life. Innocent, without sin, Jesus built that bridge. Jesus didn't die on the cross to make bad people good. Do you understand that? Jesus died and shed his blood to make dead people alive. Are you alive today? Have you accepted the terms of peace that Jesus offers? Bow your heads. Shut your eyes. Lord, uh, thank you for uh, a crazy story that you perfectly inspired and preserved for us. My prayer right now is that none of us would leave thinking that being good and nice and moral and kind is good enough to earn our way into heaven. That wasn't your terms of peace. Jesus had to die, had to shed his blood, had to take our place in the grave. Jesus had to literally come out of that grave alive for us. That's the only way. That's the facts. Lord, would you help us to accept what you've done, your terms of peace? 
And Lord, right now, we accept your terms and we open the door of our life and we welcome you, Jesus, into our lives. Come make us new. Jesus, make us whole. Jesus, make us a part of your family. Make your way to the prayer corner. Make your way online. Hit that prayer button. Somebody will pray with you today. Last question. Anybody in your life who needs you to step up and act? Anybody who's in trouble and the Lord might be asking you to be his wise, courageous messenger? You can ignore that. You can pretend you didn't hear it. Or you can say, Lord, use me. Here I am. Help me to be that one boldly, courageously in faith, acting in wisdom. We love you, Lord. You're awesome. It's in Jesus' amazing name we pray. Amen.